Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. So I was born in St. Petersburg, Russia in 1990, basically right around the collapse of the former Soviet Union. This is Nastia Voynovskaya, Associate Editor of Arts and Culture for KQED. My city was called Leningrad when I was born, um, and its name changed to St. Petersburg a year later. In 1997, when I was almost seven years old, my family and I immigrated to the Bay Area. Shortly after we immigrated here, my mom met my stepdad, who immigrated from Odessa, Ukraine. So I grew up being raised by him, and I have a younger sister who is half Russian and half Ukrainian. Nastya says this kind of mixed household was actually pretty common, especially among the community of immigrants from the former Soviet Union that she grew up with here in the Bay. Her family settled in Foster City and eventually Danville. In the immigrant community I grew up in, we also had family friends who were Georgian, Armenian, um, Kazakh, and a lot of other ethnicities. And this community really helped us land and helped us get settled in our new country. Although we do have our differences, um, we also have a lot of similarities, and um, that's what brought us together. For Nastia and her community of former Soviet immigrants in the Bay, Russia's war in Ukraine is horrific. Many people feel helpless as they wait to hear back from friends and family who are affected by the war. But it's also causing people to speak out and pull together and show up for each other. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to the Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Today, we're going to talk with Nastia about the Bay Area's community of former Soviet immigrants and what watching this moment in Ukraine feels and looks like for them here in the Bay Area. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Stop Russian war in Ukraine! Stop Russian war Can you tell us what you saw at the anti-war protests that you attended in San Francisco? 
I saw mostly Russian-speaking Ukrainians, a lot of Russians as well. Um, there, I saw an Azerbaijani flag. I saw people from Taiwan with protest signs um, saying that Taiwanese immigrants are in solidarity with the Ukrainians. There was a, a, a good amount of Russian people with signs indicating that they're Russians against the war. I heard fear. I heard sorrow. I heard distress and just constant worry. A lot of people have said that they haven't been able to sleep since this war started, and they're they're just anxious, waiting to see if their loved ones are going to be okay. Because the only people who will suffer from this are Ukrainians, Russians, and God knows who else. So I'm hoping. One of the people I talked to is Masha Rumer, and she is a Russian-born author with family in Ukraine who came to the U.S. as a Jewish refugee. People who are immigrants have so many other religious and cultural backgrounds that they're representing who left the Soviet Union. Masha has been horrified at the Russian government's actions. She has family members in Ukraine that have been hiding in bomb shelters, and she also has family in Moscow that has been arrested for protesting. Um, So I I think, yeah, she's just been worried and distressed, just like the rest of us. Many of us left the Soviet Union because we did not agree with the policies. Uh, for so many years, and yet we're still finding this reverberate throughout the world all over again. I mean, how are you seeing people deal with these emotions? How do you? How are you seeing them processing? The the protests have been really um, cathartic for people, but even though um, they may not have a concrete impact on the situation. I think a lot of people feel really helpless because they're so far away. And then Mm. they're also watching the war play out in real time on social media, which is something unique to our generation. At the protest, people have been really able to grieve together, to to be with like-minded people, and I think that's been really powerful. I've also been seeing people organizing lists of places to donate. Um, there's a nonprofit based in the Bay Area called Nova Ukraine that's um, one of the, the leading organizations and they, they have experience supplying humanitarian aid to, to Ukraine. It's pretty hard to understand that your um, nation actually participates in that war. I spoke with Anastasia Mutungi, who is um, the manager of the Russian language San Francisco bookstore Globus. And this is actually a bookstore that's been open since 1971. I've been going to it my whole life. And it, it has books from all different cultures of the former Soviet Union. She changed the window display of the shop to books by Ukrainian authors. We've been always supporting Ukraine, and there are modern authors as well. Um, we have several YouTube uh, interviews with their um, authors and translators, um, and people, you know, representing Ukrainian culture, because we're trying our best to spread it among Russian speakers as well, everywhere. She really wants to keep the, the store a place where people can come together. Yeah, the customers, um, you know, we're all feeling emotional here. Yeah, yesterday I have a couple people who are immigrated from Ukraine uh, recently, and they 
um, they just cried over the conversation. It doesn't matter where the war is happening and between whom it's happening. It's always brother against brother and sister against sister. And it shouldn't be like that. It's just, uh, you know, human decency. There's also been people leading more nuanced conversations. Um, We've seen reports about Ukrainian authorities abusing African students in Ukraine or not letting them board trains to leave and things like that. So there's also been um, a a lot of people in the former Soviet Union immigrant community who are appalled by this, and they're, they're also sharing resources for how to help people of color leaving Ukraine as well. I want to ask you, like, what what do you think the war is doing to people's sense of themselves and, and like, their community here in the Bay Area? It's opening a lot of important conversations. The war is definitely bringing people from the former Soviet Union together in solidarity to stand for peace. But it's also creating these more nuanced discussions because even though we share language and culture, um, It's not necessarily for a happy reason. It's because of a history of imperialism, um, Russian imperialism. There are a lot of really important conversations happening about um, Ukrainian people asserting their own cultural identity and also their language. Even like as a Russian person, it's making me consider my own privilege in my community because I I think a lot of the time we're all sort of um, lumped together as like Russian or Russian speakers. It's making me realize that um, just as much as I want to find unity, I want to also support other former Soviet people's um, assertion of their culture and their uniqueness and celebrate and respect our differences. This is clearly very personal to you as well. You have a lot of connections to both these countries. You also have connections to people who, you know, are are going through the same thing you're going through right now. What do you think is missing from the conversation about Russia and Ukraine? I'm definitely, on one hand, heartened by the fact that there's such widespread support of Ukraine and condemnation of this war, because it, at the end of the day, it's it's a senseless war where so many people are being hurt and having their lives ruined or, or just killed. But at the same time, I think that empathy needs to be extended to all victims of war and all refugees. I've been honestly disgusted by some of the Western news coverage that basically paints Ukrainian refugees as more deserving of sympathy because they're white. I think we need to call out that hypocrisy. Another thing that I think um, is an important nuance of the conversation is one of Putin's justifications for the war is the so-called denazification of Ukraine. There's this battalion called the Azov Regiment that was basically like a neo-Nazi far-right-wing militia that actually has been accepted into Ukraine's armed forces because Ukraine's armed forces are so um, short-staffed to fight Russia. And and I do think that neo-Nazism inside Ukraine should be criticized and condemned, but I don't think that an invasion from Russia is a solution for it. Russia has its own 
major problem with neo-Nazis and with anti-Semitism and with racism. Last time I was in my hometown of St. Petersburg, which was 10 years ago, I saw neo-Nazi graffiti in my city. And most um, gangs in Russia are neo-Nazi gangs. I do think that um, former Soviet Union immigrants and even people living in former Soviet countries do need to deal with this among ourselves, and we need to condemn racism and anti-Semitism, but I also don't believe in this war. I mean, how are you processing all of this? Oh, such a hard question. I mean, I, I'm i okay. I'm just trying to make the most um, positive contribution that I can, and so that that's why I decided to write my piece, because um, there are just so many layers of this situation, and like I, I really wanted for the broader public to kind of counteract these like nationalist narratives of like Russians being against Ukrainians because that's just not the case. And I also wanted to highlight how Russian people in Russia are resisting the war. Over 6,000 people in Russia have been arrested for protesting since last week, actually including one of my friends. Mm. So I just wanted to highlight the resistance that's happening and I think that's kind of helped me just feel like I'm contributing positively to the situation but beyond like posting and and donating i think people here myself included feel pretty helpless nazi how are you taking care of yourself in this moment i mean i know it's probably hard to yeah i can't say i've been the best like model of self-care during (laughs) this time or anything like um it's it's been extremely hard for me to not like be just on social media reading all these updates, but I think after spending a few days in this state of like constant anxiety, I started um kind of being like, okay, I need like break- screen breaks. I need to go running and kind of like get like some of my emotions out that way. But also, I think one kind of um, beautiful thing has been just coming together with some of my friends and family. So recently, my friends and I celebrated this holiday called Maslinitsa, which is a Slavic holiday with pagan roots. Part of the way we celebrate is have this big feast with like a lot of bini, which are like kind of like Russian, um, like thin sort of crepe-like pancakes. We grilled um, shashliki and we, we made all this food. So just having uh, that get together was so um, helpful and heartwarming to all of us. I think just like doing something a little nostalgic that makes us feel at home and just, like, coming together with people who are also grieving. Well, Nasia, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for writing that piece. Um, We appreciate you. Thanks for having me on to talk about it. I appreciate you right back. That was Nastya Voinovskaya, Associate Editor of Arts and Culture for KQED. We'll leave you a link in our show notes to Nastia's column about Soviet immigrants here in the Bay Area. You should go check that out. And if you liked this episode or you're interested in learning more about the Ukrainian-American experience from a Bay Area perspective specifically, I actually recommend listening back to our episode with Berkeley side journalist Ali Markovich, who is Ukrainian-American herself. You can hear Ali talking about what her Ukrainian identity means to her and more about how she's processing this moment from here in the Bay Area. 
I'm going to leave you a link to that episode in our show notes as well. This episode of The Bay was produced and cut by producer Maria Esquinca and editor Alan Montecilio, who scored this episode and added the tape. KQED's podcast senior leadership team includes Jessica Placek, Kiana Mogadam, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. And I am Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening to The Bay. I'll talk to you all next time. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis from KQED Podcasts comes on our watch season two, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.